is Tala with Drive Through Therapy. Thank you guys so much for joining me tonight on another episode. And as always, I'm grateful for your support. And tonight is a very special episode to me. It is a very personal one uh, because it deals with my favorite population, I have to say, and the most discriminated, unfortunately, which is children. I could have used any word, but I felt that discrimination is probably the most <laughs> useful, I think, to describe this because we often recognize children, but only when it's in, in an extreme context. For example, uh, sexual abuse, physical abuse, violence, or if we acknowledge their uh, possible childhood disorders such as ADHD or autism, or bringing awareness to other, either developmental delays or other disorders. All of this is important to bring attention to, but what gets more confusing are the subtleties I'm going to talk about today that blatantly demonstrate discrimination, but we just kind of accept them as truths, non-problematic <laughs> And generationally, we give them to the next generation. I might have grown up in this kind of belief system about children, and so I have the opportunity to give it to another because of memory. Most of us will give whatever we've experienced to another based off of memory. It's not because we've actually done the conscious work on understanding it better or working on it. Most of the time, when a parent parents, they will parent off of memory. Now, before I even get started on the, I think I have maybe 10 or 11 ways that we discriminate against children. Before I get to those, I have to do a little self-disclosure here. I don't often do that, but this is the time where it's pretty important because I'm about to relay this important message to you and you got to know what this lens that is going to relate this information to you, what, what that lens is all about and where is it coming from. And so my lens is what I'm going to talk about today so you understand where I'm coming from and why I'm disclosing it in the way I'm disclosing it. Besides 20 plus years of working with children, not only as a therapist, but as a developmental specialist and even working in schools with children, I come from a background that really is not set up to give me a lot of success as a parent. If you, if I was just to keep it as is, and what I'm talking about is I, I come from a background of violence, domestic violence and, and child abuse. It's sometimes very difficult for me to say it out loud because it took a while for me to understand what it was really called. And a lot of times it's just, I don't ha I didn't have the opportunity to slow down be aware of it, even grieve a childhood that really wasn't a childhood and, and look at it deeply. It was only later that I got to look at my past and understand my childhood and understand how the, the violence has contributed to the way I respond today and how I adapt and why I react in the way I do. It was only through understanding my past that I was able to open up these doors of understanding and self-knowledge. What was really important is once I understood my own pain and had the opportunity to do a lot of grieving in it, it became fairly easy for me to connect to other people's pain. And this is helpful for me as a therapist because I'm able 
to help them label things that would have been painful, but they would have never noticed as a problem. And this is very common because as children, we survive beautifully by adapting. This is why a child is resilient. They don't have anything to compare their childhood to. They simply just cooperate, comply, they adapt. And these strategies help them move forward. But in however they decide to adapt at the time, out of desperation and need to domestic violence, abuse, sexual abuse, physical abuse, verbal abuse, however they, they've learned to adapt to that, it will later still stay in them as a habit, which is what those adaptive skills, whether we are reactive or we may have low self-esteem, all of that has been a contribution of our past. We can't escape that. Most of us get our belief system from what we grew up adapting to. So whatever our parents found valuable, we found valuable. They told us what to find as a priority and what to not make a priority. They did that through their punishment and reward system. And so in a lot of our past, there's a lot of clues about how we respond today, how we feel about ourselves, about the world around us, what we think and how we react to those thoughts. All of those, all of those are uh, connected to the past. And when we look at the past and truly understand it, then our responses or behaviors or thought patterns or belief system is not a mystery anymore. That's great. We want this conscious awakening. We want this awareness to happen. So this way we can make changes because what was used to adapt to life during childhood and during extreme situations may not work well today. Going back to my own past, because my past helped me comply to very severe abusive situations, my threshold for abuse is, is high. Abusive people, abusive situations, I could really tolerate a lot of that because that was the norm for me. Uh, that was what I was raised in, what I grew up in. So when abuse did occur in my adulthood, whether it's abusive situations, words, people, it wasn't that noticeable on my end. It was kind of like um, my survival response kicked in and I just survived. I know how to do that well. So one would say, I know how to survive in abuse very well. But at the time, I did not, as an adult, I did not know how to survive in a moderate world because I reacted on extremes. I thought in an extreme and so I reacted on extremes. Again, I was in survival mode, you know, for, for many years. Growing up with domestic violence, viewing it as well as violence towards me and my siblings, all of that wasn't provided the opportunity to be grieved. So I just kind of moved forward. And as I trudged along, I didn't know what to do with those reactions, those emotions, that sadness, the disappointment, uh, and most importantly, the anger. I didn't know what to do with all that. 
And so it eventually built up to where my reactions got me to a place where I had to really do some deep dive, self-reflection and self-awareness because I didn't have an opportunity to look at my past, to grieve it properly. And there was an inner child on the inside of me that just didn't know how to be a child, how to play, how to be loved, how to give love safely, how to protect themselves. And she just kind of kept on going until that had to be faced. Today, when I work with children, I often see those small things that does hurt a kiddo. It isn't necessarily a blatant, obvious, painful thing to notice. But for me, I notice those subtleties because I have a lot of compassion towards my inner child. And so when I see a child and when I see parents talking about children or about parenting, and it it sounds kind of not so great, (laughs) I notice it. I notice it right away. It doesn't, again, have to be significantly loud and abusive or overtly chaotic. For me, I, I can notice those subtleties that I think are so important and so acceptable in our society. We don't even notice that they're a problem. We honestly don't notice that they're a problem. I want people today to start noticing those things I'm about to tell you, those ways that we discriminate towards children. I want us to start noticing those subtleties and stopping them. The impact on a child when we do those things I'm about to mention, later on, I've noticed self-esteem issues, people that tolerate abuse, that tolerate disrespect, adults that don't know how to give love equally and receive it equally, Adults that don't know how to react to anger positively. I mean, it's stuff that is what suffering is made of, especially how we do not trust ourselves. You know, that's actually acquired, believe me when I tell you, starting off from childhood. I will prove that to you today. So this way, those subtleties are no longer subtleties to you. They'll be screaming loud and clear and that you can identify them in yourself, in your own childhood. And hopefully this validates something for you and helps you to start grieving if you need to grieve this process of a childhood that you are not allowed to grieve. Or perhaps you're a parent and you would like to do this very important work so this way you're not parenting off of memory. You're understanding yourself well and making these important changes in what parenting style needs to to be. My parenting style cannot go off my past. If I just went off memory, I'd be in trouble. <laughs> I'd be in trouble. I, again, I don't recall really good parenting around me. I mean, I think uh, the the abusive, uh, physically abusive responses stopped about the age of 10 for me. But what went on after that to me was even worse because it was neglect on a whole nother level. I think I was surrounded by a bunch of workaholics that really thought, providing for the family is the only thing a kid needs. So it really desold a child. It removed the soul out of a child. That's part of my memory. And if I were to parent based off of my memory, I'd again be in trouble. I wouldn't see a child as a living human being with a soul, with a consciousness. I would see that it's enough to, I just, just provide for them and that, that should do it. You know, not like they have any other emotional needs. There's no depth to them, really. (laughs) 
you know, but I think that's how many of us have grown up with, because these are kind of traditional perspectives of parents. To be honest with you, it needs to stop because the outcome of them, as I'm looking at adults today in therapy, the outcome is not that great. I, I don't think this has helped many adults. Let's change this generationally. We have the opportunity today not only to change ourselves and what we do today, but to change generations to come. Because when we parent this generation here, we're really parenting generations and generations to come. And that's the kind of power we have in parenting intentionally. So as a therapist who's gone through trauma herself, there's a name for that actually in our, in our profession. They're, they're known as wounded healers. And so as a person who's experienced that, it helps me have an understanding and compassion for people that normalize chaos. And we do that as an adaptive response, like I said, but we want to be able to change that within ourselves generationally, not recreate that trauma and put our kids through it. Rather, we want to make sure it changes with us, but we got to do the hard work that hasn't been done in generations. We got to do the hard work. And I'm not saying we're going to get it perfect because I assure you there is no perfection when it comes to me responding as a parent, but it's learning. It's learning and having the humility to have my son teach me how to be a parent, not me teach him how to be a kid. That's what I want everybody to keep in mind. We are not going to point fingers at people from our past because they did not know better. And when we know better, we do better, but they did not know. Today, we have the opportunity to self-reflect, to become consciously aware, and it's available to us to do all the self-reflection. It might not have been available to the generations past. So we get to do the significant work. We're lucky enough to get to look at it and do it. But I want us to keep guilt aside. So if you're a parent who's listening to what I'm about to tell you and you feel a sense of guilt about it, please remove that guilt out of the way because we have to approach this with an open mind and humility and just accept the information. Accept it. And if I made a mistake before, that's okay. Today I can fix it. The beauty of identifying and taking accountability for our own mistakes is to correct them later. It's not to pretend that they didn't happen or to justify it. The power uh, is taking accountability and to change that once I do, because there's no changing anything if I don't take responsibility for it. I I just, if I pretend it's not there, I'm not going to change anything. Get that guilt out of the way as a parent. If you're not a parent and you're listening to this, well, that's even more important to listen to this because you have a childhood you need to be looking at, be concerned with. And take a look and see if any of this information validates your own childhood and where you might need to do some more healing in. It might even help you explain why you respond certain ways today. You know, I think exploring my past and my childhood really helps me understand why I react to certain things today and how I react to them. And sometimes I have the opportunity to stop that negative reaction I might not be able to stop the feeling or maybe the thought that comes up, but I could stop the reaction because I know it's an old one. I know it's an old one. So knowledge is power here. We're not going to stop the past. We can't get rid of it, but our conscious awareness of what it's doing in our mind today and how it makes us respond, that stuff 
is golden information. You're going to need to know that stuff so you can change. I want everybody to take what I'm about to say seriously about how we discriminate against children, how you were discriminated against. That's really who I'm really talking about too. It's not just kiddos that you have in your life today. It's your own childhood as well. Hopefully this gets you started. You understand where I'm coming from and how I'm backing up this information today, not only with my clinical background, working with children, but also my own experience as a wounded healer. And how this has contributed to a lot of in-depth knowledge in the area of trauma because I've experienced it and I had to process it myself. So it makes it a lot easier when I'm listening to somebody else and they might not call their trauma trauma. I know that it's called trauma. And, and that really gives me a heads up. It really makes a difference. All right, let's get started on the ways that we discriminate against children. And again, I couldn't find any other word. Yeah, it's discriminate is the word. I, I really played around with it in my head. I'm like, is that the correct word for it? And I think absolutely, absolutely. The kids don't have the ability to fight back. They really don't have a voice to tell you you're discriminating against me. So they cannot define it for us. So I'm here to define it for them. I'm here to, to speak up for them. So that's the word I'm using for today. If you could find a better word, let me know. I'm open. Let's talk about the number one thing that we do in discriminating against children, which is not asking for permission. Now this begins at birth. <laughs> at birth, really, this is the best way to say that. When you are holding a baby and changing their diaper, you want to ask for permission. You want to touch their leg. You want to make sure that you let them know that YP is going to be cold. So you put it on their leg a little bit so you could, they could just feel it. So they're ready for it. And you're not shocking them uh, with the coldness. You might want to tell them, uh, can I please wipe your nose instead of barging in there and just wiping their nose for them. I can think of so many ways that we just don't ask for permission. I love to ask for cooperation with my son, right? Can we please go to bed? Can you please put your pajamas on? Uh, I don't really demand. I don't command. So I don't say, get off the couch. Stop doing this. Put your pajamas on. But do you see how those commands sound like? Do you, you kind of get an idea of, of how they discriminate for the kiddo? It's like we're saying to the kid, you're not allowed the respect for us to get your opinion about something before we do it to you near you, around you. We, we don't, we don't need your permit. We don't need your opinion or your input on it. So we're so afraid to ask a kid, can you please cooperate with me? Can you please help me? So we go quickly to command because I'm an adult, their child in that it implies apparently, apparently just in the way we're responding, it implies inferiority. They're inferior because we're adults and they're shorter. So they, they don't need an opinion. They don't need an opinion. I'm I am the boss. They're not. Uh, I don't think they need an opinion. So we don't ask for cooperation. We don't ask for permission. We barge in onto their, their, their decision making and we just kind of take over basically. But unfortunately later on that gets us in trouble, gets them in trouble too, because it develops inability to speak up for what they want. In a lot of situations where sexual abuse occurs, 
because they're told to obey blindly through commands, the kiddo usually complies as a way of an adaptive skill because he or she is not allowed to ask questions. They're not allowed to put their opinion on about what's happening to them at this time. They're just used to being commanded. And so they're not able to acquire or develop the skill to speak up yet. So unfortunately, that is a way we discriminate with them. We just teach them that they do not have rights to themselves. They do not have rights to their opinions. They do not have the right to be respected by another by asking them to comply with whatever I'm doing. Yeah. Most of the time it's like you just follow your elders. But again, in that is just all I hear is not respect towards the elder. It's discrimination towards that kid. If we're looking at it properly, both of them deserve respect. The elderly and, and the child both deserve equal respect. I should not be giving one more and one less. It, it, I don't, I don't understand this. I don't understand this. I mean, it's clear as day. <laughs> it's clear as day. But again, maybe it's because of my background. I think, um, and working with people and seeing how this impacts them, it just doesn't work. So that's number one. So bear with me. I know this might be a long episode and you might have to cut it up. So instead of just driving to work, listening to it, you might have to listen to it, the rest of it driving back. And that's okay. This is worth it for us. This is really worth it for us. Number two. How we discriminate against children that I think is pretty loud and clear is by interpreting their intentions. A lot of the times, unfortunately, we punish children and we ourselves have been punished because an adult said that I was disrespectful in some sort of way and they punished me for what they thought my intentions are, which wasn't the case. I recall one time that my father actually threw a glass of hot tea at my leg because he thought I had some sort of uh, eye rolling or res- or emotional response to him telling me to go change the channel on the TV. And back then you could just walk, you walk over the TV and you have to, ch- you click to change the channel. That actually happened. And I felt, I felt the burn. Like it, my leg burned. Uh, I still have a little scar in the back of my, my calf from that. But the adult and in this extreme situation, the adult misinterpreted my own intentions. They, he did not allow me to explain. He did not allow me. He did not see me with the best intentions, if you will. It doesn't even have to show up in that extreme. I just give that extreme just to kind of show you what it looks like. But in reality, we do this every day to all the kids. We tell them, you disrespecting me, go sit over there. Or something like, we think that a kid intended to do something like intended to make me angry versus what their real intention was, you know? And so we punish them for that. And I hear this quite a bit. Uh, is that the parent is upset because the child didn't take out the trash when I asked them to take out the trash. And the parent will say that made me angry. And, and, and they might even tell the kid like, Hey, you're not going to go out this weekend or whatever the case is because you're grounded because you didn't take out the trash. The intentions are imposed right away on the kid. Like the kid is not allowed to have their own intentions. The parent gets to label those intentions for him. And they tell him that, Hey, you've, you really forgot about me. You just don't care about my opinion. You don't care about 
how hard I work and I come home and I need the trash to be taken out. You just don't respect me. You don't care about me. And the parent is telling this to the kid, right? And the kid is like, what? <laughs> what? I'm not even thinking any of this. I don't even, this doesn't even cross my mind. I don't even have the years of experience to come up with these very sophisticated intentions of which I am planning out to disrespect my own mom or dad. Like the kid is not thinking that those are very sophisticated thoughts, but we don't check ourselves as parent. We go ahead and impose it on the kid and we think we're right. And then we punish them for those intentions. Kind of like what my dad did, right? He punished me for his own intentions. I sure as heck, from what I recall, I must've been under nine years, nine years old, maybe around at the most nine years old. When this happened, there is, there's no way, especially being fearful of my father at the time, I wouldn't have shown those kind of emotions to him. But that tells you that even, I wasn't even allowed to show any emotion that he did not approve of. I would have been punished for it severely if I showed an emotion he did not approve of. Again, children are discriminated against every day. It doesn't even have to be extreme. About a couple of days ago, my son came from school, looked really sad. I asked him, what's going on? And he said, the teacher was upset today. And I said, uh, why was, why do you think she was upset? And he said, well, because I did not follow an instruction. And I said, well, what do you think happened? And he said, I just couldn't hear her. I didn't hear the instruction. My son has been having trouble with allergies. There's fluid in his ear. I actually took him, took him to the doctor and I found out that he, Again, he has allergies and he has to take certain medication for that to make sure that he, it doesn't get out of hand and affects his hearing. But his hearing was affected and he would, even at home, he would say, what did you say? What did you say? And it was just, it was, it was affected. And so the teacher may have misunderstood and she looked at my son and said, well, he's not following directions. He just doesn't want to listen. But in reality, he is not able to hear her. <laughs> Oh, again, we got to be careful as adults what intentions we impose on the kid. We, we, we are not accurate. We are not accurate. A kid can and will tell you about what their intent, it'll show you what their intentions are. And let me just tell you, they're so simple. It's so beautiful. And, and it's not as sophisticated and complicated like the ones we make up in our head as adults. We want to make sure that we allow a kiddo to be seen accurately as they really are without us imposing any other intentions on that kid. Yeah. So we, this discrimination happens quite a bit, quite a bit. And so the kid again is like at the whim of the labeling that the adult is going to give them about themselves, not actually because what the kid did and what he intended to do, but rather what the adult is going to label him to be. Very sad stuff. If you've experienced that as a child, I mean, I hope this validates for you that it was a real thing and that people misunderstood you, misunderstood your intentions. And that would have brought a great distrust in yourself as well. That actually breeds distrust within one's own thoughts about their own Feelings, wants, needs, intentions. Oh, that's the worst. When you think that your own intentions aren't good because somebody else labeled them whatever way they wanted to label them and you believe them rather than you believe yourself because you've had years in the making of that where you believe other people's labeling of your own intentions. You've been mean. You've been cruel. You've been whatever rather than what you, you believe your intentions were. So sometimes as adults, we don't miss, we don't represent them well because of this issue from the past.
So that's the discrimination number two. Number three. When we pretend that when we're with a kid, we're starting from scratch. You don't know how many times I hear this. Like, I gotta teach them the right way. It's like we, we behave in a way towards them where I, where we think we're starting from scratch. Like they have no other information or knowledge on the inside. To some extent, that is true. They don't have physical knowledge of the physical world. But it does not mean that they don't have an inner knowing, an inner consciousness, an inner guide like we have as adults. They have the same thing. If you believe you have one, if you believe you have a consciousness, how could you not? How could you not believe that a kid also has a consciousness on the inside that gives him a good sense of guidance towards life? They do. They do. We're not as adults starting from scratch with our kids. That we're not starting from scratch. You're going to build on what they already know. And that inner knowing is real. It's a real thing for them. It tells them where the fun is at. It tells them what feels good to them and what doesn't. And when we impose our own will on their consciousness, on their guiding system, we unfortunately do them a disservice because we make them not trust their own guiding system that they're, they're born with. Instead of showing them how to use it kindly, we tell them that our guiding system is better than theirs. So that's the, the biggest discrimination of all. Like it is terrible. It's like, because you're short, we perceive you're short and you have very little experience in this world. You, we perceive you as inferior. Basically, you don't have enough knowledge. You don't know how to handle things. And the, because of that, you don't have any knowledge is what we assume. Any knowledge at all. But that is not true. All you got to do is take a look at a, an infant, a toddler. They have an intuitive knowledge. They have an instinctual knowledge that they use. You'll see them being able to survive in certain situations. You're like, how did they do that? How did they do that? Let your kid show you that part of them. They can solve problems in ways I would never be able to solve a problem. You know, I don't know how many times as a toddler, my son would be in the middle of a playground and kid would ignore him uh, or not play with him. And I would feel so sad and I just want to go and interrupt it. And he just, kind of gets up, moves on, finds fun somewhere else. I would have never solved it that way, but his instinct solved it that way. So I learned that I need to respect the information and the knowledge that the, the child already comes with. All my job is, is to make sure that they learn to trust it within themselves, that they have that information. If they ever want to use it, it's with them 24-7. I might not be, but that information, that consciousness on the inside of them is with them 24-7 to help guide them through. And that's really what's guiding them through when they're at school and you're not there. That's what's doing it. My son and his ability to make a decision, his intuition, the things that he is able to say, I don't like that or I like that. That tells me like, hey, he, he knows what he's talking about. If he tells me I don't like this teacher, for example, I believe him. I guess she's not likable. Most of the time, it's accurate. So we just need to help them trust it. So we're not starting from scratch. They have a consciousness on the inside, on the inside that we need to help them trust 
use exercise so they can strengthen it. And later on, it will help them with their self-esteem and their ability to make decisions, not feel powerless against decisions. All right. <laughs> number four. Oh my God. 36 minutes. Just hear me out. Okay. You're going to love this. Uh, number four. Yeah. This one is a common one. Uh, we blame them for our own mood dysregulation and emotional coping. I hear this a lot from parents. Uh, they tell their kids, you probably might've heard it from your own parent. They tell the kid, well, you made me mad. Let's say as a parent, I raised my voice. I might have overreacted and I know I did, but I don't say, I'm sorry. I don't say, whoa, I'm way out of line. I'll do it better next time. No, no, no. That's not what we tell that kid. What we do do is double down. We basically justify why you made me mad. And if you only just cleaned your room, if you only just put your stuff away, if you only just did this, I wouldn't have to yell. What the fuck? Like that should sound terrible to you. Terrible. That's, oh, that hurts my feelings. It hurts my feelings. And we do this with children. We do this with children and it's, it's just destructive. It's very destructive. The impact of it long term is that I learned that my feelings are not important. It's important to take care of other people's feelings because when they are taken care of, then I can be left alone and I could just be left in peace. That's what I learned from a parent like that. I'm just going to try to make them happy, prioritize their feelings, regulate their feelings as a kid. Like I'm a kid trying to be responsible for my mom's anger. That That's ridiculous, but that's what I'm going to learn. And later on, I'm going to be responsible for my partner's anger. I'm going to be responsible for my friend's anger or sadness or bad moods. I'm going to be thinking I'm Mr. or Mrs. Fix-It. That's where Mr. and Mrs. Fix-It comes from is this kind of parenting where the parent does not take responsibility for their coping, their emotions, and they make the kid take responsibility for that. It's terrible. It's terrible. Again, discrimination. I can't think of a better word. Friends, if you have a better word for this, let me know. But these things we accept today as a society that I'm, I'm really parenting them. I'm telling them what to do. This is my job, you know, and you made me angry and I use my emotions to manipulate them and they push their emotions down. When me as a parent is so damn loud, they push their emotions down because they can't win that fight. They can't win that fight. Not yet. You're going to start seeing them fight back around adolescence, at which point you asked for it. You practically begged for it. But wait a minute. I'm not there yet. <laughs> okay. The next one is uh, uh, we ignore their thoughts or more importantly, we minimize them. So I see this a lot. Like the kid is talking, 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 and the parent is shopping and they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Whatever. Just stop. Uh, yeah. It's annoying. And they're ignoring or minimizing what the kid is trying to say about their day. Even if it's just, uh, about their world around them, they're excited about something. We don't stop and listen. So the kid keeps kind of just talking to themselves and they're not really being listened to. And they know that they know deep down inside, they might feel like an inconvenience or uh, an annoyance to the parent because the parent isn't sitting there enjoying the kid. They know they're not being enjoyed. And that, of course, affects the building of their self-esteem. They do not find themselves as important. They do not find themselves as worthwhile. They think of themselves as an inconvenience. And that's the impact of that long term. So next time your kid is talking to you, please put whatever 
it is that you're doing. Put it to the side. Listen to what the kid has to say. It all matters. It all matters. I hope you're with me so far. We're at 40 minutes. Oh yes, we're at 40 minutes. We could have baked a cake at this amount of time, but we're doing something better. We're changing generational trauma here. We're, we're healing it. All right. Uh, hopefully you got this one on number five. We, we, we tend to discriminate towards them by ignoring their thoughts or minimizing their thoughts. We now want to put them a center stage. Whenever you uh, are hearing your kid, put whatever it is that you're doing down, listen to them, make sure that you affirm that you're listening to them because that teaches them that they are valuable, that that's what you're helping with parents. So it's a big deal. It's not just that they're talking and they won't remember it. Yeah. They'll remember that you ignored them. Okay. Okay. Number six, we, oh yeah. Again, this, this goes with the one I talked about before a couple of, a couple of, not just before it was, we don't adjust to them. Uh, they adjust to us in a lot of ways. This is where we don't adjust our own parenting style to that kid. We make them adjust to our parenting style. Because your brother, we tell them, your brother never gave me these problems. I don't know why you're giving me these problems. You see that discrimination? It's like terrible. It's like we're telling the kid, like, look, it's an inconvenience, kid. It's an inconvenience that you're making me do all this work and I have to adjust myself for you when I didn't have to with your brother and he was much easier. Like, that's what we're telling them. It's terrible, terrible message. And of course, the kid is going to have a long-term impact of issues with self-esteem, feelings of inferiority. He's going to compare himself to other people. I mean, this is just terrible. And we do this a lot. Like there are a lot of parents out there that compare parenting one kid to another, not realizing that they are, that's a problem if the parent is thinking that they don't need to adjust to match the personality of the kid. And they're making the kid match the personality of the adult with so little experience. The kid has so little experience in this world. We're wanting them to adjust to us as an adult with our complexities. We want them to adjust to that. What in the world? What in the world? It's unkind. It's unkind. They are worth the time to get to learn them, learn what they love, what they're into, what they're not into. And these differences are beautiful with the kids that we see, with the kids that we have, if we have multiple children. Beautiful. All of them are. All of them have, they all have their special, unique gifts and ways of dealing with things. And we have to honor them because later on it will matter. And that's exactly what they're going to give the next generation. So when we do all these things and we do them gently and we fix them, they do get fixed generationally. It doesn't become the norm for the next generation to have these dysfunctional, discriminating uh, responses that I think has been going on for years now. Like we accept this nonsense. It's, it's insane. It's insane. Number seven is known as displacement. Uh, this is actually a Freudian term. But uh, it's very appropriate here. It's basically when a parent is upset, let's say, at work or upset with something going on in their life, they come home and they take it on the kids. They're yelling, they're, you should have cleaned your room. It's called displacement. 
This happens a lot. Again, we really, (laughs) really take advantage of the fact that kids are shorter and they're physically not capable of fighting us back and they don't have the ability to argue with us. They, they really don't. They will not win that fight. Even though they, we might impose on them that they might be disrespectful. They're talking back. They're really not. They, I, they really don't even have the ability to do that, especially early on, especially early on. And so displacement is, is really a cowardly thing that a parent does. And we get away with it. We really do. Because again, kids are not going to tell us like, why are you taking it out on me? Because you had a rough day at work and your boss is, is an, an asshole. You know, why are you taking it out on me? But unfortunately they can't tell you that. <laughs> so we have to, as parents, if you're a parent, we have to do the work of acknowledging it within ourselves. And we stop that nonsense. We now practice self care. So we make sure that when you get home, you are emotionally available to that kid. That's what they need. They need your time, your positive attention. They need you to listen. Uh, they need you to build their self-esteem. So later on, when they become a father or they can become a mother, they're delivering the same gifts you gave them. That's what we want. That's what we want. And that they learn to regulate their own emotions because a lot of times if we grow up with parents that don't regulate their emotions, take it out on us, uh, because they're having trouble everywhere else and they don't know how to control or deal with themselves or self care. What we end up doing is becoming kind of very similar to them. As we age, we gain more control. So now we have, we could, we can now take it out on people and it's not a good thing. It's not a good thing. So. Please catch this habit, whether you're a parent or you yourself react on that because of your own childhood. Just catch that so this way it does not continue and we can end this discrimination that we do to children. Now, the next way we discriminate is number eight. We as parents don't control our guilt. Our guilt takes over. Parents who have difficulty with seeing their guilt and how they react on it. Those are probably the most dis- discriminating parents, the, the most. And I'll tell you how. So for example, let's say I get a call from the teacher and the teacher says, you know, he did not pass his math test because the teacher calls me and I'm, I know I haven't really helped my kids study, nor did I check on him or, or even, even if I did help him study, I just feel like I'm a terrible parent because this teacher called me and I just, and I feel terrible as a parent. And, um, and now I'm going to go to this kid and I'm going to tell them about themselves. I'm going to probably overreact to the situation instead of being a guiding presence for him. I will be, uh, telling him, about himself, but not in the kindest way, right? I'll take it out on him because of my guilt of not being able to deal with my guilt as a parent or that feelings of guilt. I I will end up overreacting and blaming this kid or uh, maybe making them steady or grounding them or taking things away. And I'm like, what? It's just too much. It's just too much when I hear that happen. Uh, We're not checking our guilt. What they need is a person to help them with the math, right? We need to sit with them. We need to take the time to sit with them. But because we don't do that, right? We don't really take the time to sit and, and read with them or help them with their English and their math or whatever the case is. We take it out on them. That's what we do. We just take it out on them when they don't pass instead of seeing, okay, where's the discrepancy and let's meet that need. Oh no, let's go ahead and take it out on them. And again, 
they accept this to be true because they have limited ability to fight back. They don't actually say, wait a minute, that's unfair, mom. That's unfair. I did not get a chance to study or you didn't help me study or, you know, I told you the other day about what happened and I just needed your help with that or whatever the case is, right? I just need your guidance, mom. I need your guidance, dad. Oh, that's, they don't have the ability to say those things. So they will eventually comply. They'll agree with you. And that's a terrible thing when a kid agrees with you that they are to blame for, again, once again, your reactions as a parent, you know, and we know this deep down inside, but the guilt takes over. The guilt takes over and it makes us not correct things, but it will make us justify really bad behavior. So be careful what your guilt is doing and how it plays out in your decision-making and your thought process. You need to be very aware of where that plays out. I hope this is clear because I can't make, I can't stress this one enough. It's just like, it always shows up this guilt. It's like, if I think of when parents feel such shame in the way they reacted, it's always based off of a guilt driven response. Always. The last one is something that I think is, is uh, quite important. Hypocrisy. Now a kid might not know that word or tell it to you, but they'll start to see that there's a discrepancy in your behavior. So the way we discriminate towards them is that we act in dishonesty and hypocrisy because it's a form of dishonesty. We pretend that I'm an authority, right? And I'm allowed to make mistakes, but you kid are not allowed to do what I do. You have to do what I say. Now, the kid at first, when they're small, tiny little babies, they'll comply. They'll comply. They'll think you're always right. The adult is always right. But somewhere around teenage years, they're going to start very much noticing that discrepancy and having a name for it. Not only that, get this and get ready for this if you're doing it. They're going to come up to you and they're going to have a field day with you. They're just going to fight back now. Now it's their opportunity because now I can talk back and I know what you're doing. And I know you're being dishonest. I know you're, you're a hypocrite, mom. You're a hypocrite, dad. Um, you say things, but you don't actually do them. Now they can actually tell you that and they will not trust you. They will not trust your opinion about them anymore. And if you've been misreading them, if you've been labeling their intentions, if you've been blaming them for how you feel, if you've been telling them that you should have been like your brother or you should have been like, now all this is just going to come to full effect and they're going to show you in their adolescence how much they really can see your discrepancy and your inconsistency as a parent. Get ready, friends. Get ready to clean this mess up. Now, since these are the ways we discriminate, I could probably poke a little harder and find some more, but I don't think you're ready for the Gone with the Wind novel that <laughs> I just laid on you at 50 something minutes. So I'm going to take it easy on you and I'm just going to make the first batch today, but later on I might have to do another episode. This is probably the most important episode of my life because the amount of information I have, not only as a person who's had to look at their own childhood and its impact on them as an adult, but also looked at many other childhoods and made connections with them. Oh man, I have a lot of information in that area. And I'm so grateful today that I get to share it with you. Hopefully this jumpstarts the work we all need to do 
whether it's towards our inner child and learning to to grieve our own childhood and understand how it's impacted us today as adults, or as a parent, and you might be doing both really, as a parent, changing those generational patterns that really are messed up, but we all accept as, oh, that's, I'm an adult, they're a kid, and they're inferior, darn it. Of course, they need, they need guidance galore. Uh, they don't have anything on the inside of them. They're not a conscious being. And unfortunately, we as a society desoul the child. We remove the soul out of the child, the consciousness out of them. And we make them think that they will not remember um, that they, they, we, we tell them, we even tell ourselves that they won't remember when they get older. That's why it won't matter. It won't matter that this divorce happened. It won't matter that they saw this domestic violence situation in front of them. It, it will not matter if we just talk to them in that way. They don't have feelings. Basically we tell them, Oh, it won't matter because you don't have feelings. You don't actually think, but newsflash everyone. A child thinks and feels without your permission as an adult. They always are thinking and feeling. And I need us all to acknowledge that and accept that as a fact. So this way we can allow this kiddo to think and feel and make space for it. Hold the space they need for it. Again, we're not looking for perfection. We're just looking for a little bit better than the past. A little bit better. I'm not asking for perfection. I don't, I don't even expect that of myself. I just want to do a little bit better than my past. And oh boy, oh boy, if I do great, great. On those days, I'm able to be a little bit better than my past. I'm, I'm grateful for that. Let's, let's get started on this work and let's do the, the real work here that changes generations to come in our society. In our social media, we focus on really big, significant topics driven by fear and all that. But right here in our home, there's discrimination and we don't even notice it. We discriminate against a population that truly has no voice. And it doesn't have to be when a kid has to be abused. It's the only time we notice that they've been wronged. We need to catch all those subtleties I just mentioned because it's wrong. What's happening is wrong and we can do something about it. We can do something about it. We can give these kiddos a a voice and maybe generations to come, it might look a little different, maybe a little bit better than what we went through. So Please, let's focus on what's happening at home, whether it's your own inner child that needs to be healed and validated or grieved. You know, in a lot of cases, we need to grieve that inner child uh, and also help another kiddo that's right in front of us to help them heal as well and to be heard and to change those very discriminatory uh, responses that we have towards children that we don't think is discrimination. That's just what drives me crazy. I'm like, you don't, we don't think it's discrimination, but if we were to do the same thing to adults, if we were to actually behave this way towards adults, we would certainly call that discrimination or more importantly, they would call it discrimination. But since a kid can't say discrimination, we don't even acknowledge it as thus. So I hope this uh, helps you guys out. I love you so much. And I'm so glad I put it out there for you. This is just such an important episode. I hope you think this is important too. It's basically the basis of everything for me. Thank you so much for joining me tonight. I'm sending you love and light. Nelson Mandela said, The true character of a society is revealed in how it treats its children. This has been an episode of Drive Through.